Mackie and Judd, let's come back. Major League Baseball free agency is open for business. It's more of a slow cook than the other three major team sports in this country. But let's go forward with some reckless twin speculation here. Who could they sign? Who are some of the plugged-in reporters aiming for them to sign? Hot stove season, gentlemen. Derek Wetmore is here from 1500ESPN.com. He covers the Twins. And we put out a regular podcast about the Twins called Touch Em All, which uh, you can find on iTunes, pretty much anywhere you would download podcasts. If you have an iPhone... We're going to have a droid version of this app. We have a brand new 1500 ESPN app that cleanly lists and gives you instant access to our live stream, our on-demand content, and all of our podcasts. Uh, should we get into some reckless speculation here, Derek? That's what I came here to do. Awesome. Awesome. Love reckless speculation. Because don't you? one of my favorite things to do, and, uh, and Derek and I connected yesterday and we're going over this list, when MLB Trade Rumors puts out their top 50 ranked free agents, Mm -hmm. and then the projected teams and dollar values for each one. (laughs) Like, it's total just like, I mean, it's somewhat educated speculation, but it's not like they're sourcing from talking to GMs. It's just who who needs a pitcher, who's in the market over here, and there's three really interesting points. Number one, they project the Twins to sign Juan Nassasio. He's a 31-year-old National League right-handed reliever who throws in the mid to upper 90s. And he was a failed starter in Colorado, but he's really come around as a rock-solid reliever, uh, has some closing experience. Uh, Last year, he struck out a batter per inning and had a 2.61 ERA for uh, three different teams, actually, in the National League. And also, Alex Cobb, coming off surgery, kind of a redemption season last year for him, was once one of the better young pitchers in baseball a few years ago for the Rays. And uh, they've got the Twins signing those guys for uh, about $70 million total over, like, three-year contracts. And also, it says, this is where the reckless speculation gets really good, that you, Darvish, that there's not going to be a huge market of big, top-money spending teams, and his value might come down because of the World Series disasters. The Twins are listed as a team to watch if you, Darvish, lingers in free agency. Yes. Your thoughts? It's so much fun, and I even saw a column earlier today linking the Twins to Japanese phenom, phenom Shohei Otani, which, like boggles your mind that this guy might be posted this offseason and he might earn $300 million for all we know. He's He's been called the Babe Ruth well, of they, Japan. They won't be in for that kind of money. So yeah. here's what's interesting about that, that the Twins are listed on you, Darvish. They're listed on Jake Arrieta. Um, they're pegged to take Alex Cobb and one. I think it's Nicasio, Nicasio. I don't know. You, you'd know better than I would. But these guys are kind of just, they're tying teams by saying, okay, the Twins need pitching, so here are some pitchers, go over there. But then if you read through the whole column, it's like, it, it kind of gives like six or ten teams for a lot of different guys, I I think, just so that sure. you can go back and say, oh, yeah, see, I tied the Yankees to this team. Well, it's a lot of fun to sit here and speculate, but what I'm really curious about, guys, is in a couple of days, we're going to start getting these answers. You could start seeing signings as quickly as today. That, yeah. this Will is, we, though? This might be baseball's Christmas. Usually teams, I mean, there's always a few signings in the month of November, but usually the big signings and a lot of the big action happens the first week of December at the winter meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, like, Torrey Hunter always signed before or on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. The Twins signed Jason Castro in November of last year, Mm -hmm. so... So things can definitely happen. By the way, it is Nicasio. Juan okay. Nicasio. Right. Yeah. He'd be a huge upgrade to most of the relievers they pumped out last season in a in a year in which they made the playoffs. Well, and I think there are two priorities if you're the twins. Of course there are, you know, five different things you could list. Hey, I'll go sign this guy and make my team better, but 
free agency becomes a pretty expensive proposition if you're trying to fix every single hole. So I think their priority needs to be the bullpen, number one. And there's a couple of big-name relievers out there that you could go spend some money on, and I actually advocate the Twins doing that this winter. I think the time is now to go spend money on an ace reliever. The second priority has to be starting pitching as well. So as much as we can poke fun at the idea of MLB trade rumors guessing all 50 teams, and they, they've already been wrong on two of those top 50, by the way. That's still fun. Uh, it's, it's still a lot of fun. But as much as we can poke fun at that, like the idea that they're going into is sound, that the Twins need to prioritize relief pitching help and starting pitching help, and that I don't think it's ridiculous to spend money this offseason. So that's why I kind of I laugh at it. I have some fun in it. But I also spent a thousand words or fifteen hundred words yesterday in a column saying why those two moves would make sense if you're the twins. Is Cobb the name that Provis threw out to us? Yeah, Alex Cobb. Late in the season. Yes, he is. And I don't think uh, I don't think Corey just thought of that one on a lark. I think he talked to people. Sure. So to me, that that one actually does make sense because you know we we were talking about potential starters and going down that road, and he said, "No, here's one to watch." So I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if they're at least in on him. And I think that you're 100% right. On, on Corey is the first person I heard mention Alex Cobb. And yep. that was, I think the season was still going on, wasn't it, it was guys? At the very It was towards the end, yes, but it was still going on. And so here's my quick take, is that if you sign these two guys, good for you. But, man, I think you've got to aim higher. I think that this is the winter to aim higher. And here's why. I just think the Twins sort of bubbling up and winning 85 games is a nice story. But I question with the the better teams, the teams that are ahead of them right now in terms of just their true talent level, I still think the Twins are a long ways away from being on that same plane yeah. as some of those teams. After They're, watching Houston and the right. Dodgers exactly in right. the World Series. The Yankees, the to, Indians. Yeah, try to envision as the bar kept going up and up and the best pitchers in the world couldn't right. get those lineups out. Right. And then try to envision the Twins' 25-man roster kind of like meshing in as one of these teams. I will say their yeah. lineup is nice. I like the young position players that the Twins have. And then you sprinkle in veterans like Brian Dozier, Joe Maurer. This is a good offensive team that will get Miguel Sano back at the start of next year. That's yeah. a huge addition. But I think on in terms of pitching, you just mentioned it, Phil. If Kenley Jansen's struggling to carve through some of those top-end lineups in October, I think the Twins have a ways to go before they're on the same level of competition. And I think the best way to shortcut that route is to sign a couple of big-name free agents. It's it's going to take a gamble. You've got to take a calculated risk. Right. But I don't think you can stay away from the poker table forever. But it seems like the the way to build a franchise now is to have is to have things come together as far as your prospects, and, the, and then you go supplement that with guys that you sign on the market. So where are the Twins at in, in your guys' mind, both of you? Where are they at in terms of doing this? Because... I don't think you're going to go all in necessarily until until you deem your prospects to be closer as well. So if we're talking about that and we're looking about what Houston ultimately did, where did the Twins stand today? Well, they're it's it's tough because they're the prospects you speak of, like their lineup is those guys are no longer prospects. Those guys are here, and if especially if you believe the second half of Buxton and the second half of Jorge Polanco. So now is that group of young players? As good as the Houston Astros group of young Carlos Correa's and Alex Bregman's, I mean, you could no, no. I mean, clearly no. Um, there's room for growth with the Twins, correct? It's the pitching that makes me think Derek Falvey and Thad Levine might look at this as you're still going to contend next year, but 
you might even be another year away than like this, this might still be a three year thing to win a, to to like be in that World Series window. Now, if they were to add, let's just say, let's just go with MLB Trainers. If they were to add Alex Cobb, just a rock solid number three, number four starter with upside to maybe be what he was before the surgery, which is one of the better young pitchers in baseball, and also Juan Nasasio. And then all of a sudden, like, Steven Gonsalves, light bulb goes on in the big leagues. And then two or three uh, internal relievers start to start to really bubble and progress. Now all of a sudden you're talking. Like, now you're talking about maybe 90 wins, but are you the Astros? Are you the Indians? Not quite yet, even with those improvements. Right. In my mind, anyway. Yeah, so, Judd, you ask where they are. Where the, where are are they on that spectrum compared yeah. with, like, let's say the Astros two years ago. The Astros could have loaded up and said, hey, all right, we've got a couple prospects here and some guys in AAA trade Alex Bregman and try to go get Alex Cobb, mid-rotation starter, because that's the last piece to the puzzle. Well, in hindsight, that would have been a mistake. They would have sort of, they should have kept their powder dry. They would have gone for it too soon. So I think that the reason that I advocate the Twins signing uh, you know, like a lights out reliever this winter, let's just say, is because it doesn't cost you prospects to do that. That's where I think this is different. I think that the Twins can reasonably be expected to improve from their 85 win team a year ago without going sort of all in, as you say, without trading, you know, your top stable of prospects Royce Lewis, Nick Gordon, Fernando Romero, guys like that. You, you don't have to get rid of that in order to become better this winter. So, my whole, my whole, I think that this is a challenging offseason for the Twins because they don't want to go too far, like jump in the pool head first and to right. use the Astros Absolutely. example, trade in Alex Bregman for a mid rotation starter. Mm-hmm. But to Phil's point, these sort of like prospects that you're talking about, well, the Twins comparison would be Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Polanco. That's your sort of core contingency of position player. So, that's, I mean, that's how it's a little bit different from the Astros. The Twins didn't lose a ton of hundred hundred loss seasons, so they're they're not piling up these top draft picks. They kind of have their stable of prospects here. Now it's up to the Twins front office to augment that, make it better. Wetmore's hanging out with us from fifteen hundred ESPN dot com and the Touch 'Em All Twins podcast, which you can find download iTunes uh, wherever it is that you would find podcasts and fifteen hundred ESPN dot com slash podcasts. Uh, what one thing just to clear up because I know there's going to be questions from Twins fans about aces and uh, closers. One thing to clear up on that front, and also the Twins did announce a new uh, obscure coach yesterday. That fans, I mean, he's much more established than uh, than say James Rousen was. In fact, uh, the coach they just announced yesterday was the I believe the Rays hitting coach for like six years. Yep, that's right with their major league team. So let's talk more about the new hire. And uh, other things, Twins, hot stove season is here. Uh, Mackie and Judd, Luther Brookdale Toyota, speaking of the Touch Em All podcast, is a proud sponsor of uh, of our Twins podcast. And uh, they keep our microphones on, for better or worse, on a weekly basis. And they've also been a proud partner of the Mackie and Judd show on 1500 ESPN. Going back about seven years now, you can see my friends on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. You can also see... Some of the brand new 2018 models that are on the lot, the RAV4, the Camry, you can lease a brand new tricked out RAV4 Camry for just $199 a month right now. $2,800 down plus tax, title, and license, but that's an unbelievable deal for, for probably the most durable car and maybe the most durable SUV 
you're going to find uh, in this country. And they also have 0% financing on nine different models at Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We're talking twins. By the way, rest in peace, uh, Rick Stelmazic. Rick Stelmazic was a longtime coach through multiple generations of twins rosters. Tom Kelly, Ron Gardner. Yeah. And uh, he passed away from, uh, I believe it was pancreatic cancer, a battle with cancer. And he passed away in the last couple days. So Steli was, Dan Gladden has Steli stories. Roy Smalley, going back to the 80s, has Steli stories. Players from, you know, Glenn Perkins era have Steli stories. So uh, that was sad news yesterday. One thing on the free agent front, gentlemen, Wetmore from the Touch Em All podcast is with us. Let's just make something clear before we get into like three months of speculation and then getting angry at the Twins when they don't sign an ace caliber starter. Like someone already tweeted at us. Well, here's the math on if how many tickets they could still sell at Target Field, and uh, it, and they're leaving eighty million dollars in revenue on the table. And if you just went after two ace starters, you know half the blah blah blah. There are three tier one pitchers or at least three guys who have been Tier 1 pitchers recently on the market, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, Derek. And all three you could poke holes in as far as if they're still Tier 1 pitchers. Wade Davis, absolutely. One of the top three or four relievers in baseball the last several years. 32 years old, though. You might have to pay $15 million a year on a four-year deal till he's 35, 36. Just something to be aware of. Hugh Darvish is 29 in his prime has had some arm issues, got shelled twice in the World Series, did not pitch particularly well for the Dodgers in general down the stretch. Uh, something to be mindful of. Like, that's the best pitcher on the market, and there's a lot of flaws you could point to. He's not Clayton Kershaw. And then Jake Arrieta is 32 years old. He's been the best pitcher in the National League before in the last few years. Wasn't the same guy this year. Might still get one of those four-year, 80-ish million-dollar contracts. I wouldn't classify any of those as a surefire, except Wade Davis the next two years, surefire closer type pitcher. But like, if you're going to be pounding on your desk or just twin sign aces, like that's what's available. And there are flaws for sure in the two starting pitchers I just threw out there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'd add uh, Greg Holland to that list probably just as another lights-out reliever. Had a good season for the most part. In Melted down a little after the yeah. All-Star break, but then kind of bounced back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just... Solid reliever. But, yeah, I think that if you're looking at getting top-line starting pitching, the free agent market is one route. Trades would be another route. I think, and and I, I don't know that I'd necessarily advocate for a trade, but the way I look at it, you Darvish is going to get overpaid. He would be helpful, so you've got to decide, do you want to be the person to overpay him? Jake Arrieta, probably going to get overpaid. I saw MLB trade rumors project him yesterday for a four-year deal worth $100 million. Do you want to pay Jake Arrieta $25 million a year? Yeah. I mean, maybe. And if you do, then that's what you're signing up for. Jeez. I you're, don't. You're taking a risk. I don't either. That's why I want to go pay Wade Davis, whether it's four years or five years. I know that it's not going to pay dividends on the back end of that contract necessarily. But I think to go get one of the best relievers in baseball over the past four years, you're going to have to pay for him. And I think that it's worth it, given what it would do for the Twins pitching staff as a whole. When you sign an ace reliever like that, you alleviate pressure on so many other guys that it has this sort of ripple effect throughout the bullpen. I also think having an ace reliever like that, hard to quantify, but I really do think that there's this intangible element of, 
When Kenley Jansen comes in that game, the Dodgers felt every day like they were winning. If they had a lead going into the seventh inning, the mindset is, all right, well, we're pretty close to getting to Jansen, and when we get to Jansen, it's over. The Yankees felt the same way. The Cubs have felt the same way in recent years. I think that that element alone is worth like several million dollars mm-hmm. over the course of a season. I, I have no idea how you'd quantify it. I'm not sure if the Twins or anybody has numbers to back up that assertion. But I just think that there is so much benefit that you can get from signing an ace reliever and that, that the price is much more likely to be worth it than it would be to go bid. You know, if you pay you Darvish $160 million, well, now you got an ace, but you got to figure out all those other things. I, I think the Twins can actually afford to be in the ace reliever pool, whereas they probably can't afford to go get the top two starting pitchers on the market. When you say that, uh, do you think that if they if they were to go that route, they would definitely sign what we perceive to be an ace closer? Or is this the type of administration that would go out and sign what they consider to be an ace fireman? Well, and and by that, I, because we are getting into now yeah. it being you know if if you can shut things down in the seventh, there's something to be said for that. Right. So let me let me I'll just parse your question apart because I think that I'm talking about an ace, Wade Davis. And now, however you want to use him, well, that's up to Paul Molitor, new pitching coach Garvin Alston. They they can figure that sort of stuff out. Uh-huh. But I think that the question, actually, if we back it up a little bit further, it's do you go get a high-priced, proven commodity at the back end of your bullpen or wherever, like Wade Davis, or the second route, if you're Derek Falvey and company, do you try to go get the next up-and-comer? Somebody whose name we maybe don't know or like we've heard of, but you just think of him as sort of a guy. That's what the Houston Astros did so successfully a couple of years ago. They got Chris Davinsky. Uh, they got Luke Gregerson, I mean, Pat Neshek for a while. Uh, was it Will Harris? I mean, they got guys that you wouldn't have necessarily said, oh, household name. There's your Aroldis Chapman, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, Kelvin Herrera. Mm-hmm. I think the question becomes, do you go get a proven commodity and pitch him wherever, whether it's the ninth inning or the seventh inning, as you alluded to, Judd, or do you try to get the person who's next? I think I could see Derek Falvey going that route and finding somebody good, but I think it's a riskier proposition. Both carry their own risks. I think it's less risky, actually, to invest financially in a guy who's proven he can do it. Here's what you may have missed on a recent episode of Football Headquarters with Sean Zobel. To me, Teddy's the type of guy with his gloves, with everything involved, that he needs good conditions to play in. So I would I would venture to guess that one of those three dome games, we'll see Teddy come back. I don't think it's Detroit on a short week. I don't. I don't think it's Thanksgiving Day morning. I don't. That would shock me. But at some point, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's also Green Bay on Christmas Eve. You know, the frigid conditions of Lambeau Field, I don't think that's the first time Teddy takes snaps either. So do you want Teddy in that environment? I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think these are some of the things that the Vikings are discussing, Sean. I don't think they have any firm answers. I guarantee you, Zimmer, Peyton, those guys, Spielman, they're at Winter Park having these very discussions. You can find the Football Headquarters podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. Uh, Derek is in here. He covers the Twins for 1500ESPN.com, and also uh, we have a, a, a Touch em All podcast every week you can subscribe to. Derek Shelton is the new Twins bench coach. He was the hitting coach for about seven years with Joe Madden, Tampa Bay Rays. Indians hitting coach before that from 05 through 2009, so there's probably a little bit of a Derek Falvey overlap from uh, when Falvey started there in like the 2007-08 range. And um, he was with the Blue Jays for like a year or two, quality control coach. 
What do you know about Derek Shelton, and uh, and and what do you think about this addition? Joe Favre, obviously, to Garden Hire staff in yep. Detroit, respected former hitting coach with the Rays. You mentioned uh, he mentioned on the conference call yesterday that he has good friendships with guys like. Uh, well, I think Jim Hickey was one that he mentioned as sort of a, a, a mentor. And I think just to me, and, and Carl Willis maybe too, if I'm not mistaken, I, to me it's interesting that the Twins are getting a guy with hitting coach background with some teams that are viewed as as pretty smart. You know, whether it's the Rays or the Cleveland Indians, under it was under Eric Wedge, not Tito back in the day. But interesting to me that you go get somebody with a diverse skill set he was the quality control guy as you mentioned in Toronto last year and it was just sort of looking for the next step in his career well the twins lose Joe Vaver as a bench coach there's an opening and I I think it's in keeping with Derek Falvey's philosophy of just going to go get a bunch of smart guys get them in the room maybe they don't see eye to eye on everything they're going to disagree there's going to be some combat but you hope ultimately that you arrive at the best answer I, I think that it also speaks to the comfort that James Rousen has in his own skin because you're hiring a longtime hitting coach with more experience and, frankly, a little more name recognition around the league. But I just think Rousen had such an incredible year as a hitting coach working with Polanco, working with Buxton, that you should be comfortable in your own skin. Like, it's working. And I think that having another person, another voice to add to that pot is interesting. How much of an impact is a bench coach going to have on wins and losses? I have no idea. I can't give you that answer. But I do think that you hire somebody with a good resume who's respected around the league and the people that you've already employed and empowered are not uh, you know, fragile or nervous about that sort of perceived threat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this thing is headed in a good direction for the Twins under Paul Molitor's staff. So he's bench coach. Uh, what does a quality control coach in baseball do now? So it's kind of like Clock Jeff management usually. Yeah, that's that's right. what I was going to say. No to call I know, what doing. I know what they do in football. It's sort of call, call the timeout. Similar to what Jeff Pickler does for the Twins, actually. Okay. They, they talked about at the time they hired Pickler as, quote, major league coach. That was his title, or maybe still is his title. I don't know. I think you're right. I, I don't think is. he cares too much about titles, to be honest, but... You know, it's he cares about bombs, it's, and that's it. It's series preparation. It's scouting the opposing starter. It's the kinds of things that Jeremy Hefner does with video before series and and prepares okay. the Twins for it. It's also, I think, personally, some in-game stuff. I think there's going to be some, this. This is what his role in Tampa was, but or I'm sorry, in Toronto. But you imagine there's going to be some overlap. It's hey. Just so you know, here are the three relievers that they could get hot right now and we'd have to be worried about for pinch-hitting matchup stuff. Just be looking down the line for this, Molly, so that you have multiple people worried about strategy stuff and it's not all on one. i got to tell you, I've never been in that chair, but I can absolutely imagine eighth inning comes, matchup questions just start flying, boom, 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 rapid fire. That's got to be a tough thing to be in sort of that pressure cooker and have to make the right call on the fly over a 162-game season. So having multiple people be able to look a couple of batters ahead and prepare for some of that stuff and just do all the legwork that's required now to incorporate data, to incorporate video, advanced scouting, scouting reports the old-fashioned way, all of that stuff has to be synthesized into one, you know, sort of a one-sheet so that you get an idea of what you have to do for this series. There's a ton of work that goes into it, and I think basically they're they're just adding another cook to Paul Molitor's kitchen. Uh, they had a chance if they wanted to for several years, not just Derek Falvey and Paul Molitor, but but Terry Ryan, to promote Doug Mankiewicz from minor league manager to major league coaching staff, and 
Terry Ryan decided not to, Paul Molitor decided not to, and Falvey, and there was some some awkwardness about the departure because Mikavich and his wife used Jim Suhan and the Star Tribune to sort of tee off on uh, on the Twins. Well, Mikavich was just hired to be the AAA Toledo manager in the Tigers organization, which uh, Ron Gardenhire probably had a little little recommendation there for uh, for for Avila. And this is a text to Doogie. Doogie has a midweek scoop here for us. A Minkiewicz text to Doogie. It's not nothing super inflammatory, but Minkiewicz said, having to leave the Twins organization twice under circumstances out of my control has been tough, emotionally tough. I'm not going to lie. The city, the fans, the players, the staffs are all family to me, and they always will be. That being said, I was born in Toledo. I remember fondly going to minor league games with my family. Uh, the Red Wings are my favorite hockey team. I still have a lot of family in that area. In 98, I made my debut at Old Tiger Stadium with Guardy leading the way. This decision was a no-brainer for me. Uh, looking forward to working with and being part of such a storied franchise. So, like, is there any part of you guys that feels like, man, the Twins let let one get away there with Doug Mankiewicz no longer in the organization? Because I don't really, I mean, I like Doug Mankiewicz, but I don't know. I feel like it's it's very provincial to feel that, Oh, Doug Minkiewicz would have been like the bench coach I of think, choice. We don't know that. I think it's just fine to move on. Considering what this franchise has been through, I have no problem with saying, you know what, we like you, we like you, and you're gone. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty unpopular opinion. I think based on my interactions on social media, people love Doug Minkiewicz around here. They want Minkiewicz to be the manager of the team right now. And I'm obviously I'm not speaking for everybody, but there's a huge contingent of Twins fans who would be mad if you said, eh, just just a coach, just a, a fiery manager who who players get along with fine, and, and maybe he can go be an asset to another organization. But I'm personally, I am against the grain on that one. I, I'm not offended that the Twins let that relationship end. Um, you can debate maybe they should have ended it with more tact or whatever. That's a different conversation. And we but, don't know that story. Yeah, exactly. We've heard one side we of it. We know once exactly. I, yeah. I, I think that, I'm personally not offended by it, Phil, to answer your question. I, I think that it's interesting that the Tigers have basically just brought in the old Twins coaching staff that was accused of <laughs> falling behind the times. Andy, come on. Dude, it Bullpen is, coach. It is. It, I mean, it is. It. I think it's almost laughable, to be honest with you. And I say that with respect to like what some of those guys were able to do five, ten years ago. But, sure. but that's amazing to me. My quick take is that I think it's the wrong move. And I think it's the wrong move because... As much, we, we should say too that they had a lot of success under Ron Gardenhire from 2002 to 2010. That's yes. undeniable. Gardenhire and that staff had an incredible amount of success with, yeah, a pretty talented team, but not the highest spending team. Mm-hmm. Say whatever you want about anything, any other part of the conversation, or pick apart anything I just said. There was a lot of success with this staff under Gardenhire. With that being said, I think. That the sort of the next model is you have your just to pull some names from twins examples, James Rowson, Jeff Pickler. These are guys that get into the science and uh, they they sort of blend to use a tired cliche by now. They do sort of blend the science and the data, the analytics with also the human scouting eye. And they still have a touch for their baseball guys who also just happen to know all of this stuff. They're baseball guys first and foremost. And. I think if you're going to levy a criticism on the garden hire staff that he's assembling in Detroit, it's that they're not as curious. It's that they're baseball guys. 
Now, that's not the worst criticism you could levy against a guy. But you need more than just that. I think that you yeah. need a wider but, view of voices, and we'll see if it works. The problem in Detroit is more than the coaching staff. They ain't going to have the talent for the next couple of years probably to compete. The entire Tigers organization is a trapdoor job. Every one of those guys is is on a trapdoor. Okay. And in three years, she opens up and they're all gone. Avila will be gone. Guardy will be gone. That whole staff's gone. Interesting. They are a complete mess. And is that a write that down? Al Avila, I think that'd it be should a home be. run. I agree with Joe. Al Avila. <laughs> it, it ain't going to work and the team's promote, not good. But but when Dombrowski left, when, when Illich wouldn't let him make the trades... And so they, they said, we're going to name this old school GM. It's a trapdoor job. But but I will say this about us. The thing that frustrates me about sports fans in this town is we want to win until we're offended by who is being shown yep. the, the door. Yep, it's, exactly the most, right. it's the most frustrating thing. Well, Ru- we, yeah, Rubio couldn't shoot for seven years. But, like, well, let's ignore that because he has cool hair and can pass behind his back. And You take that back about Ricky Rubio. <laughs> and Peterson got old and is one-dimensional. Yeah. What they what they did to him should have been done two years ago, but it wasn't. And now and now, but but come on! I mean, look, he had thirty seven carries by the Car- yes. The Cardinals are a lousy team that are going to drive that man into the ground. Sure. He has no business yeah. being here now. And but we get we want to win and we want to pick on the team so badly until they make deals that oust our favorites, and then we get mad about how can you let this guy go? Well, it makes perfect sense to let that person go. I have a problem with that. It just under a microscope with like the University of Minnesota. If you're a fan of the Gophers, you want them to win, but you want them to win on your sort of terms. You don't want it to be like the sleazy underbelly of college sports. You want it to be with integrity. You want them to you know, pay attention to multiple different sports and really focus on being a well. No, in in pro sports especially, but in college sports too, which are basically pro I sports. want stripper parties and six-figure deals for freshmen. That's you have to want. pick. You have to pick. Do you want to win <laughs> or do you want to do things your way, and I think that you could do that if you're the Twins. You could say, "Well, yeah. no, we're not going to we're not going to sign free agents. We're going to keep the coaching staff for the next twenty years. We're going to keep the front office intact as it is for the next twenty years." Okay, and that's fine, and you and you can operate that way if you want to. But then you don't get to have your cake and eat it too, and say, "Oh, and we want to win multiple World Series." Correct. Yeah, for pick, a long for a long goal. time, and like when I hear Steve Little, and I hear you know I hear Rick Anderson and like Garden Hire and bringing the boys back together, that represented. Once it had to kind of run its course, it represented the organization caring more about the employees of the organization than the fans who spend millions of dollars on the product. Real quick, before we uh, kick Derek out of here, quick answer. Paul Molitor, a finalist for Manager of the Year in the American League. Uh, Molitor, Terry Francona, Indians, A.J. Hinch, Astros. Should Molitor get Manager of the Year in American League? No. I think it's Tito. I think you win a league record 22 games in a row and you win 102 games, plus super well-respected guy, great resume. Don't forget, it's based on what you did in the regular season. So A.J. Hinch winning the World Series doesn't matter. I think that uh, Terry Francona probably wins that award. If I was voting, I would vote for Tito. It's not a slam dunk, but I'd be surprised if Molitor wins it. I think he does. I, I think he does because we love nothing more than what? A turnaround, yep. improvements. Yep. Most improved a turnaround player. is a huge deal. I think, I think there's a debate to be had about w- whether he should. I think he will, based on the fact that they went from being horse bleep to being a playoff team. Uh, I'm, gosh, I'm between you guys. I think Molitor is going to get a ton of credit, whether it's you know justified or not, for the 26 win improvement. But ultimately, what the Indians did in the second half of the year, I think, gets it done for because uh, if it's a regular season award, if it's, mm-hmm. if it wasn't, then AJ Hinch would win it. So sure. uh, find our Touch 'Em All podcast. We talk Twins every week. 
off the radio show. You can also find repurposed stuff from our radio show with Derek Wetmore. But uh, best Twins coverage you're going to find in the Twin Cities, 15HardySPN.com, and the Touch Em All podcast. Bye, Derek. Thanks, guys. Right, go back to uh, your, your hot stove in the hallway there.